It says, an elderly woman, you all might have heard, an elderly woman had just returned home from an evening church service when she realized there was an intruder in her home. Seeing that he was in the act of robbing her home of its valuables, the lady stopped, or the lady yelled, stop, Acts 238. Hearing her, the burglar stopped dead in his tracks and stood motionless. The woman calmly called the police and explained what was going on. As the officer cuffed the man to take him in, he asked the burglar, Why did you just stand there? All the lady did was yell a Bible verse at you. Bible verse, said the burglar. She said she had an axe in 238. <laughs> and so I thought that was funny. <laughs> so, but yeah. Those are just some jokes. I don't know if they're that funny, but <laughs> I get a hoot out reading some of those. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, ease the crowd a little bit before we get into talking about something. If you got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and flip over to 1 Peter uh, 5. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 7, but I'm going to mainly focus on verse 7 here tonight. So, mainly verse 7, if you just flip over there. That's towards the, you know, the back. Not too long of a book, about five chapters. But it's a very good one. And he said, make it close and personal, so I couldn't think of anything else. But if you're over there, I hear the pages ruffling. I always love to hear that. First Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 7 says, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And this is the verse that we'll be looking at today, mainly focusing. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let us pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the breath you breathe into us each and every single day. May we never take that for granted. I say that each time, Lord, because you know it's a precious thing that we have this life that you've given us. And may we always glorify you and honor you. And we just praise you for this time. May this word be edifying uh, to the people here today, Lord. And they take something from this. I don't know what they're going through. Uh, but, Lord, uh, everyone needs to hear sometimes about this. And so may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, you know, most times you don't ever hear things about mental health, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, stuff like that. You shove it under a box or they say, you know, sometimes throw some dirt on it. You know, the older generation might say that. I don't know. But, <laughs> messing with y'all. No. <laughs> but uh, you see a lot of it today. You see a lot of people taking their own lives. You see a lot of people dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, you know, all that. Especially in the younger group today, I feel like. But I would ask, you know, a couple different things. What problems are you facing today? What things might you be holding on to? You never know. We all face some adversity in life. We all face problems, tragic circumstances. We experience life and as well death, you know. We all go through changes of seasons, and sometimes those seasons can be extremely high. They can be extremely low. You know, sometimes with those seasons, you know, times of anxiety, nervous times, panic attacks, depression come about. You know, none of us 
are immune to these things at all. None of us, we're not, you know, greater than one another. We all can come under these things at any given moment. Now, me, myself, I was, you know, brought under this last Sunday. I got out of four years of high school and then had a breaking point, I guess. Or not high school, college. Can't even remember. Got out of college, had a breaking point, but nah. I had that, and then I had to go to the doctors or whatnot. And it's never wrong to go to the doctors, just get checked out for that stuff. But... I had that. And these are all stages that sometime one another we all go through. No one immune to these. And it does not, I want to stress this, make you any less of a Christian, a child of God, for going through these things at all. Because sometimes you hear people say, well, maybe you just need more faith or something like that. Well, we're still immune to these things. We can have the greatest faith and still be hit with this because sins entered into this world. Sinners, or sins corrupted this world. And as a thing, these things are come. As I said, sin's entered into this world. Life isn't like it was in the garden, which was perfect. It's not. And well, does that mean that God made a mistake then by making, you know, this world? Well, no. Let me read a real quick, I think, Q&A that, you know, Billy Graham answers this pretty well, I think. He says, uh, the question being asked was, can God make mistakes? I suppose you all say he can't, but why not? And I wonder about this when I see how messed up this world is. Maybe God didn't quite get it right when he created the earth. We already know that answer. Billy Graham answers it, no. God doesn't make mistakes or do anything wrong because he's absolutely perfect, holy, and just. That's the God we serve. He's perfect. He's holy, and he's just. Nor does he ever lie to us or give us false promises to hold on to. Because over in Isaiah 45, 19, it says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. He sets the stone. He lays the marker down. Why then is the world so imperfect and evil? Is God responsible for this? Uh, as the person asking the question suggests, no. When God created the world, it was absolutely perfect. It was. But something terrible happened, and that something is what the Bible calls sin. You know that happened. That came in there. And the world was no longer perfect after that because evil and death had invaded God's perfect world. And they have been with us ever since. And never forget, sin isn't just some little thing we do wrong or just some little word. It's complete and ultimate rebellion against God. But listen, part of God's perfect perfection is that his love is perfect. It is. And that's why he didn't destroy the world or abandon it. He didn't just abandon us there in the garden and our sin nature and uh, just let us go about it. No, he didn't. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die that, you know, live that perfect life, die, and resurrect, and Christ conquered evil and sin and death, and someday his victory will be complete, and all that evil will be destroyed. There won't be no more of this depression, anxiety, worries, crying, you know, hurting no more, and it makes me think over, and while we were singing that song, too, uh, John says over in Le Revelations 21.4, which is one of my favorite scriptures, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. All those things are going to be done away with. That's just a glorious thought to come to. For those in Christ, we have that promise to look forward to. We do. And going on, and going through those times of anxiety, worries, nervous times, panic attacks, depression, again, it happens, if we're all being honest, at one time or another, we've had to go through some of this, something that looks similar to this. And... Uh, We've had to, because sins entered into this world and corrupted the things, and so by association these things came in. Now are these things from God? Certainly not. 
They're not. And we should not let them become a way of life and let it just be a way we are content with, with just having them or just going through them or just, you know, fighting it on our own because that's not. The Bible clearly says we should, you know, Matthew 6, 27, which says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Matthew 6, 25 says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. Matthew 6, 31 says, therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Matthew 6, 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And then Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God. We're told not to be anxious, not to be worried. The Bible tells us over in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. And that's through the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And so when those things come, we can't let them become a part of us or hinder us or let them control us. We can't just let them, you know, become us. As the Bible clearly shows, we need to not let those things we need to let those things go because they are not a part of us. See, struggling with, you know, mental health or life in general and going through hard times, you know, that's all part of living life because we all do that. We all struggle with that. Because, and that does not make us any less of a Christian uh, at all. According to this uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 264 million people struggle with depression and 40 million people struggle with anxiety. And I'd say some of those are Christians themselves. Again, I'm here today saying, because you struggle with these things, you're not no less than a Christian. And I'd say some of those people, as I said, are struggling, are Christians that does not make them any less. See, God, I think in those times, what I forgot that Sunday was to rely on him. You know, rather than when I was in that panic state, I forgot to rely on him. Before when I came to Christ, I can remember the first time, you know, after I accepted that Christ, you know, I really went through panic attacks. That morning when I woke up, you know, I had one, but I went to prayer in him, and you know, it subsided, it went away. I think I forgot that Sunday to rely on him, and sometimes we do too, if we're being honest. You know, things get good, things get all right, we get content, and then we forget about that. And we need to remember to rely on him and not rely on our own self-sufficiency. Often when we're going through things, or through these such things, we're more than likely, you know, relying on ourselves. You know, we do that sometimes out of instinct because that's the old self and the flesh getting prideful and in the way. We think we can do this. We think we can beat it by ourselves. We can think we can just beat it by pulling our bootstraps up and kick or uh, keep on moving. But sometimes that doesn't work. We need to focus slowly on God and rely on Him. But God wants you to give all your worries, all your cares and concerns, not just some of them, not just bits and pieces, but all of them. And it says, if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will uphold you and strengthen you. I'll re- uh, reread 1 Peter 1, uh, 6 through 7. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He does. And whenever you're struggling with anxiety or fear, pray to God. I think sometimes when we get in those states, or it might just be me, but sometimes we forget to go to him in prayer. 
He can go, help you let go of all anxiety. He'll give you strength. God is always faithful, and you can always depend on him. There's not just one time you can depend on him. You can depend on him 24-7. And, you know, Paul showed that. Uh, I think it was uh, this past Thursday I was mentioned over in 2 Timothy. Paul entrusted everything to him while he was going through, you know, persecution, you know, despair and all that. He entrusted everything over to the Lord. He always trusted the Lord, um, and he continued trusting in the Lord. But when we're struggling in times, we need to go to him in prayer. And God is always faithful, and you can always depend on him. And only Jesus gives the true peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, going through those difficult times of you think it'll never end, because if you're ever going through stuff like that, you think it's never going to end. You think you might be going crazy or something like that. But, you know, if you just give it over to Jesus, it will surely subside. And remember that God is always alongside of us in our struggles, too. I think sometimes when we get in those states, we forget that he's right there, you know, because we're so worried or something like that. Or we think it's too dark and gloom right now that God's not with us. How can he walk with us in these hard times of thinking, you know, bad thoughts or doing something horrible? You know, how can he be with us? But he is. He is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. David writes Psalm 23, 4. Ye, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's always with you. And again, remember, God is always with you, no matter where you find yourself, today or tomorrow or the future. If you're in Christ, God is always with you. God can turn your sadness into dancing time. Psalm 30, 11 says, You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've put my, off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. See? And the Bible also tells us, you know, in those times to fill our you know, fill our minds with good things. You know, sometimes it can be that we might be watching something. Other times it could just happen. But the key to getting your mind under control is filling it with them good godly things. You know, the Bible tells us about. The Apostle Paul urges us to think of the positive rather than the negative. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We're told to meditate on these things, have these things in our mind. And this will just help us mentally, you know, uh, just focusing on the things God would rather us have. In those times, you know, searching him out, finding him, making sure we're focusing our mind on that rather than focusing on the panic and the terror. Because once you do that, it's like it's a, you know, a rabbit hole. You go further and further in it, and then it's hard to pull yourself back out, you know. I can testify to that. And Sunday, I was messing with my wife. I was like, I went, I went in there, and my blood pressure was like 150 over something, and I was just freaking out, basically. And, uh, you know, uh, we got out, and everything was okay. Everything's fine. Uh, but uh, I was like, my, I could feel my chest. I could feel like a knot in my chest, and it wouldn't go away. You know, that could have been me weed eating or something like that, but I was just fixated on that. Um, but we got out, and then I started messing with her. I was like, now, don't get on to me, or I'm going to have to go back to the hospital. No, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> she didn't want me to say that, but I had to. But <laughs> whenever you feel anxiety or that panic or depression rising, think about those things, again, that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, because it's really 
about the mind if you think about it. If we can get our mind right, you know, our mind focused on the will of God, focused on him, focused on the things he wants us to rather than the worldly things, which those things are associated with, then we can do that. And see, this is where, you know, I think reciting, memorizing, and meditating on Bible verses can help us in these times. They can help you realign your thoughts to God and help better fight off anxiety, you know, negative self-image or depression. Praying to God about any struggles because he cares about the prayers that you have to give him. He really does. Each and every single one. There's nothing that he doesn't want to hear because he already knows it. And he wants you to pray to him about every and any struggle that you have. And that will also be beneficial to you and strengthen you. Romans 12, 2 really helps here because it's, but be transformed. It's the latter half of that verse. But it's be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And, you know, we do that by the word of God, focusing on the word of God, renewing our mind. Because we got to do it each and every single day. It's a constant fight. To, you know, our mind wants to be pulled one way. It's a constant fight. We got to be dug deep in here. And there seems, as I said, to be a stigma or whatnot. You hear, you don't hear about this as much. Or, well, I don't. I don't know about you. But when people talk about these things, it's like, let's put it in a box and hide it away. Well, that's never solved anything. No, it's good to talk about these things and get them out in the open and have a conversation or whatnot. You know, they do have people that you can seek out when you're going through those times. You should never hold that in. You know, never fight it alone because first we should rely on God, but he's given us, you know, tools to use. You know, there's biblical counselors out there. There's just not, you know, therapists that you go and then lay on a couch. There's actually people who biblically counsel people from the word of God and have that Christian worldview uh, to help people like this. They make degrees for it. There's Dr. Donovan Burton, who I love dearly, that went to Clear Creek, and he taught all about this, you know, biblical counseling. It's just not when you go in and then you lay on a couch and then tell your problems, whatnot. No, it's getting down to the root issue. Because sometimes these can be, you know, surface level issues. It could be maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe there's something in our life we have to deal with. Because, uh, or it might uh, be something different, you know, Sin has affected us, and we do have these problems. You know, I like to uh, make an illustration kind of thing because, you know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, it was like a year, I think, he went without writing anything. You know, if David walked in maybe a doctor's office or a count, biblical counselor's office and, you know, was asking for some, uh, you know, things to help, you know, I'd tell him he needs to repent and get right with God. Not just, you know, hand him over some type of medication or some type of... Uh, thing to help with that. No, he needed to get right with God, and that's an issue. But say, take someone like Job, who's going through all these things. He's just suffering because he's suffering. He's going through those. You know, I would be more, you know, kin to get him, because it's all different. But there's two illustrations there. But we need to talk about these, because as 1 Peter 5, 7, I was reading through that. I was going to talk about the Great Commission today and the call, you know, to go make a disciples, but this really hit home. But I was just reading this, And it's just one little verse, but it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And you know he does care for you. You know, no one's ever in this battle alone. No one is. That's the reason I love being in, you know, the house of God with you all so much because you can never get the testimony from the people of God. You can never get the love that you can from anyone else or the encouragement. And, you know, Hebrews talks about that. You know, do not forsake in the assembly of of the church. Uh, If you're able to be in here, you need to be in here. And you're not alone. 
This one man said in relation to this verse of scripture, um, anxiety follows when we forget that God is the one who cares for us. It often does. When we are not left adrift, or we are not left adrift on the sea of chance, facing just shipwreck on the shoals of impersonal destiny. We are under the care of a sovereign God who controls the course of history is in, I forget this word all the time, I was trying to remember this every time, interactively, I'm sorry, Uh, yeah, I'm going to, interactively, Okay, I'm just going to go with that word. I was thinking it, I had it in my brain before I got up here, and then it goes blank. But involved in the everyday life of his children. He's involved. He's not an absent God. He's not like what Diaz thinks where he, they just left us to go willy-nilly by ourselves. No. See, it's all about whether or not, I think, are we going to give control over to him in those times? Are we going to come to ourselves, you know, humble ourselves? Because if we humble ourselves and come to the end of ourselves, you know, we give those things over to him because those problems are not too big to go through. And he can hold on to them because, as I always say, we're insufficient and he is sufficient. And the attitude in verse 6 through 7 in First Peter shows an attitude of humility before Almighty God, which allows those who face hardship and hostility to cast all anxiety on him because he indeed cares for them and cares for you. See, the scripture reminds us that the cares and concerns and problems of this world can become a burdensome load in our lives. They can become like weights, and that's when, you know, fear starts creeping in, anxiety, all that stuff, depression, um, and it can feel like a load. But we've been told by the Lord that we cannot manage our daily problems on our own. We can't. And, you know, if we think we can, you know, we're going to find out we can't. <laughs> and this is a severe blow, you know, because our ego or our fleshly pride, the old self, the old nature wants to do that, which is rooted in our old sin nature. We are told that strength will be freely given, though, when we admit our weakness and inabilities. And I think this is so true. And we are changed to hand over all our cares and disappointment to the Lord, who has promised to bear all those burdens because of his loving kindness and tender mercy towards us. Because even in those times of our weaknesses, he's, you know, glorified. Second Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 11 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in my affirmity and reproach and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, it's in those times of weakness Christ is glorified because he re- truly gets to shine forth. If I'm always trying to do things on my own, you know, it might seem on surface level that he's shining through me. It's not. It's just my self-ego, pride, you know, old nature wanting to take over. We need to admit in humility of, you know, of our lack and accept his gracious offer to cast our cares on him, knowing that he cares for us and is well able to give us help in the time of need when the cares and concerns of this world are given to the Lord in humility of heart. He pours into the life his peace that passes all understanding that only he gets. You know, I understand why, you know, unsaved people don't have peace because, you know, they're walking on eggshells. If they were to die today, they'd be sent to hell. But, you know, for the child of God, we can have, we are, we have that peace. We can have that peace. Uh, from the Lord, and we need to trust in the Lord with His promises and His precious word. 
and expect him to fulfill his word because he says he will. He'll never return to him void. We expect him to answer the prayers, but he will do so sometimes in his own way. It's not always going to be in the way we want. For our greater benefit, but for his greater glory. And we need to come to a point when we humbly admit that inadequacy, inadequacy before we can benefit from his super sufficiency. We need to invite the Lord into every compartment of life and not exclude him from any, uh, you know, sphere of that or withholding any embarrassing secrets because it's not embarrassing. It might seem embarrassing that you're struggling with that. I don't know what you all are going through right now, but it's not embarrassing. You know, I kind of thought it was, but it's not. You know, it's life. We deal with it, you know, but we need to hand it over to him. You know, it happens, okay, but we need to find a way not to let that, you know, hinder us or debilitate us, but to give that over to God. Remember him in those times, uh, of those times. We need to invite him into every compartment of life. We need to give him the little problems we encounter that seem so significant, as well as the great burdens that weigh us down, which include, again, anxiety, you know, worry, depression, panic attacks, you know, those thoughts. We need to entrust him with any physical, material, and emotional burdens as well as our spiritual trials and testings. Being called to cast all our anxieties on him does not mean giving him selective burdens while withholding others. No, when he asks that, he, he wants us to give us everything. Uh, being mental, you know, the mental health problems, the hurt, the everything, the difficulty, and every foolish mistake we, you know, done, God cares for, you know, us and wants us to give those over to him. Because in the end, the enemy of our soul whispers lies into our hearts and questions the goodness of God and faith, his faithfulness. The accuser of our soul is the devil who roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says that in the very, you know, next couple of verses. And he's out there. And he uses the strange strategy to shipwreck our soul as he did in Eden. By whispering in our ear, has God really said? Are all God's promises true? Can you really trust his word? Satan is the evil accuser of the brethren who attempts to prevent us from casting all our cares upon him by twisting the word of God and denying the truth. And may we never doubt the integrity and truth of God's word for what he has promised and he will fulfill. And may we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us at the proper time. And may we cast all anxiety on him, all our cares, our worrisome, our depression, because he does care for those things. Uh, he does care for those things. He does care for you. You know, you're not alone in this fight. And he cares for each of his children. So, you know, I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know if you're going through something, as I just said. But I would tell you to just give it over to him. There's nothing too big that he can't handle. There's nothing, you know, anything out there that he can't handle. Just put it that way. You know, he wants to hear everything you have to say. You're never alone. That's one thing I always thought. I was always alone, but he's always with you. He'd never leave you nor forsake you. Before I came to Christ, I thought I was alone. Well, you're not. He's right there. He just wants you to open that door up so he can come in, you know. He just wants you to. But he cares for you. He wants to hear your prayers, everything. And we need to rely on him because it's in those times we sometimes forget to rely on him. And even during these times like where you feel like you can't talk about things like that. Again, they have people out there that are trained in this to, you know, figure out what the problem is, the situation. We got brothers and sisters in Christ right here that can talk to you. 
uh, and love you uh, and help you because you know they're there for that. We're all here and we're all a big family. We're here in one of another to, you know, give unity, help each other, encourage one another too. So uh, as we have a word of invitation today, uh,